Food Heals Podcast, episode 29. Like, for example, the Rich Roll podcast, he was teasing me because I kept saying, well, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately. Welcome to the Food Heals Podcast. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. And today's episode is my interview with Matt Resigno, who is a registered dietitian, vegan, and endurance athlete living car-free in California, who thinks fun, adventure, and good health go hand in hand. So since Susie couldn't be here this episode, we missed you. Thank you. (laughs) But we did have a great co-host. As always, we had Vince Leah, the healthy vegan guy, who's a frequent guest on this podcast, and he helps people live healthy, happy lives through his website, healthyveganguy.com. But first, we have an announcement. Yes, we have a new swag bag winner. Love it. (laughs) So I'll read her review. I recently stumbled upon the Food Heals podcast in my quest to improve my mental, emotional, and physical health. Boy, did I luck out. These ladies not only know their stuff, but deliver the information in an easy, digestible, relatable way. I couldn't be happier to have found them. This podcast has reignited a passion inside of me that I had felt was lost. After feeling bogged down by an unfulfilling job, unhappy with my eating habits, and overall like a stressed out mess, I have decided to pursue my passion, transition completely plant-based diet, and make more time to connect with myself. Ladies, thank you for being my e-tribe and the cyber girlfriends I so desperately needed. That's awesome. I know. I love her. We're easily digestible. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) And we're an e-tribe. Yes. I love that. It's so awesome. So congratulations, Aja Vines, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Your swag bag is on its way. Yes, congrats. And Food Heals Nation, we still have a few swag bags left. So to enter to win a swag bag full of luscious, organic health and beauty products, all you have to do to enter is... Subscribe, rate, and review! So leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes and then screenshot your review and send it to us. You can tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation or you can post it to our Food Heals Nation Facebook wall. And of course, you can always email it to us at info at foodhealsnation.com. Our swag bag is full of amazing products like the Global Healing Center's Parfait Visage Anti-Wrinkle Cream, Schmidt's Natural Delicious Smelling Deodorant, 100% 100% Pure's Coffee Bean Eye Cream, Notox Life's Detoxifying Clay Mask, Global Healing Center's Oxy Powder Detox Pills, and, and so much more. We didn't plan that at all, you guys. No, we didn't. That's not on the script <laughs> at all. So enter now before they're all gone. Our podcast is sponsored today by the Global Healing Center, which offers a wide variety of high-quality green lifestyle products to help you maintain a clean body and live a healthy lifestyle. We have some of our favorite products of theirs in your swag bags and keep listening because later in the show, we're going to tell you about a discount code so you can get 20% off plus free shipping any Global Healing Center brand product. Next up, Vince Leah and Matt Rusigno. 
The Food Hills Podcast starts now. All right. Welcome to the Food Heals Podcast. I'm Allison Melody, and today we have an incredible guest and a guest co-host who I think you may know. Our co-host today is Vince Leah, the healthy vegan guy. You might remember him from episode two, sharing his battle with ulcerative colitis, and episode 18 about how to do what you love every day. Vince's mission is to educate and inspire others about the benefits of eating a plant-based diet and living a healthy vegan lifestyle. Thanks for coming back, Vince. Thanks for having me, Allison. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you too. And today's guest is Matt Rusigno. He is a vegan of 19 years and a leading expert in the field of vegetarian nutrition. Matt has a nutritional science degree from Pennsylvania State University and public health nutrition degree from Loma Linda University, as well as certification as a registered dietitian, which is actually one of the only professional nutrition credentials available. And he's the only person I know living car-free in California. So I can't wait to talk about that. Please welcome Matt. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Very excited. We're happy to have you. So what's interesting about the three of us being here today in the studio is that we were all at Vita VeganCon together. (laughs) (laughs) And I attended Matt's presentation. It was the first presentation I went to and it was like 8 a.m. on the first day or something like that. I was all tired and, you know, but thank you for, you know, presenting and keeping me awake. And my husband was there as well. So we were both there to witness and Vince was there as well. I was. And so I had known Vince prior. And so we were hanging out at Vita Vegan Con. I didn't actually get to meet Matt in person. So we're happy to have you here today. And, you know, that was a great experience. Oh, well, thank you for coming to the first session on the first day of a conference, especially when it was the same time as Gene Bauer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And so just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this world of veganism, nutrition, athleticism? You know, the more I talk about this, the older I feel. Um, Because I went vegan when I was 17 years old in 1996. And um, I was influenced by uh, music, hardcore punk music. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried to go vegetarian a few times when I was really young, as young as nine. And uh, when I was 17, it just stuck. I just thought, you know, this is what's right for me, sort of rebellious young kid. And (laughs) and I said, all right, if I have to eat tofu the rest of my life, I will. And then um, I've been vegan since. And that's what um, started my career in nutrition. You know, I thought, hey, if I'm going to go to school, I want to learn something useful. And so I started studying nutrition. Very cool. And so what was the reasoning behind that? Like, I get rebellion. There's all these things that we do to rebel, like when we're kids. Like, was there something else behind it? Was it the animals? What was there? Yeah, it was it was the animals and the environment. Uh, You know, I was exposed to sort of very radical politics at a young age. And um, it just stuck with me because, you know, I had a dog. Grew up with a dog that I loved. I was an only child. So I had my chocolate lab, Samantha, that I loved dearly. And, um, and so making that connection, thinking, you know, animals have clearly have feelings, yeah. right? And so it made me very uncomfortable to eat them, which I think a lot of kids go through when they're very young. Yeah. And I tried, and my Italian-American family was not having it. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can relate to yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you mean you don't want cheese? <laughs> we paid for that sausage. You're eating it. Um, and then, you know, at 17, I was like, no, you know, I'd always said, um, you know, but there's these vegans and they're even crazier. And then I was like, well, I was only vegetarian maybe six months and then went vegan. And wow. I mean, I went from eating McDonald's, you know, yeah. I was just like a skateboard punk kid who just ate cheap food. And so it was a big transition. Wow. Yeah. Even cool. when you were nine, though, you made that connection with the animals at such a young age. That's pretty inspiring. 
Yeah, it, it was very clear to me. I mean, I've always been very empathetic and relational and, um, you know, having it growing up with animals and uh, growing up. My parents are from Brooklyn, New York, and uh, <laughs> they didn't understand where our f- food came from when they were growing up. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they were like, milk comes from the corner store. You know? Yeah. Yeah. How did it get to the corner store? Well, <laughs> yeah. we don't talk about that. Right. right. <laughs> and so as soon as that connection was made, of, oh, wait a minute, you know. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, growing up in an Italian family myself. It was uh, when I decided to make that to the move to become vegan. It was uh, sometimes they don't know how to react. You know, it's like they most of the on the dish, it's going to be you know meat. You have sausage. You have pasta. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. no, it's just a plain red sauce. And, and I, I get it because there's so much love around food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when people see you restricting, oh my, they care. Why, yeah. why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. You know, it comes from a place of love, but is something that is then also difficult for the person not eating it. Exactly. And but yeah. but I mean, if I always think about it, it's like I was eating that. Like mm-hmm. there was a time in my life where I did. So I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. But I always find it interesting now going back, you know, fast forwarding to where I am now. It's like nobody questioned if I had the McDonald's burger, but they're questioning if I don't want to have you know, why am I not having the piece of meat and this cheese and all? It's like, okay, well, you didn't question why I was, okay. Yeah. It's funny because I didn't grow up in an Italian family, but I married into one. And so even just recently, we were in Vegas and I was with my um, aunt and uncle from my now Italian side and we went to a steakhouse and they knew that I didn't eat meat, but I think they still thought I ate seafood, which I probably did when I first met them, but I don't today. And so... Um, they were like, oh, look at all the salmon and all these options. And I ordered a vegetarian plate. And they were like, oh, my gosh, if we had known, we would have gone somewhere else. We're so embarrassed that you're not eating the meat and you don't want to be here. And I said, no, I love the vegetables. This makes me happy. Most steakhouses make really good veggies because they know that they have to impress those vegetarians just as much as they have to impress the meat eaters. That's true. That's true. You know. So as you got older, you really, you know, you kept this up, right? Yeah, it just um, one of those things that I transitioned into it, you know, right at the right time. Like as an adult, I imagine it would be much harder to go vegan because you're more set in your ways. But I was just like, nope, this is what I'm going to do from now on. And I already knew how to cook, basically, you know, knew that you do, you know, the olive oil and then the garlic and then, you know. <laughs> um, so I had those skills and just thought, OK, this is how I'm going to eat now. And just, you know, put my head down and did the research and was really excited about it and knew a lot of people who were doing it as well. So is that what propelled you to go into this career of doing this by getting all these degrees? Yeah, absolutely. And I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, no one in my family had gone to college. I didn't have any pressure to. Um, I wasn't exactly a star high school student. Um, And I just thought, hey, I'm going to study something useful and I want to be able to come out of this and be able to help people. But I didn't even know what a registered dietitian was. I didn't know what biochemistry was. And I just flipped through the book and signed up for it. (laughs) <laughs> wow yeah and here i am <laughs> and, and now so tell us about all the schooling you went through and like what did you like what did you not like got it so um you know there's a lot of misunderstanding sort of about what a nutrition science degree looks like people think we just spend years looking at like what is the best diet that people should eat and how mm-hmm. do we tell them but really it's this very strong foundation in the science 
looking at the biochemistry and the physiology and the nutrient metabolism, and then understanding the research, being able to read it and interpret it. And it's very complex and very layered. You know, it's not just like, eat apples, they have fiber, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I get made fun of a little bit because people ask me, um, like, for example, the Rich Roll podcast, he was teasing me because I kept saying, well, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Mm. you know and so as I was wrapping up undergrad I was really into it and excited about it and a professor said hey you should go to graduate school and I said oh what's that how's that work <laughs> and um, I picked Loma Linda University because they're vegetarian based they're seventh-day Adventists wow and so and they're really big in health um, you know Dr. Kellogg who invented breakfast cereal he was an Adventist and um, it was a very good university to go to because of um, you know, the quality of education there as well. And they're a vegetarian. And I studied public health, which is the application. You know, how do you get people to change behaviors? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. the psychology of it, the educational theory behind it, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with public health because as holistic as I am and the fact that I do all these things, my website and my podcast is about holistic health. I actually work for clients in public health and it's in a completely different sphere of how to create behavior change. Mm -hmm. And it's a completely different area and realizing you can't tell some people you need to eat organic because there's an access problem, there's an affordability mm -hmm. problem, there's a knowledge problem. Mm -hmm. And how do we solve that? And I don't have the answer to that, but it's a completely <laughs> different sphere than, than, you know, holistic health and nutrition. And how do we combine those and spread that message? Right. And it's funny, it's something I tell people all the time. It's, you know, now I've been eating vegan for 20 years. It is easy for me because I know what to do. I have 20 years experience yeah. and people forget that. Oh, it's easy to be vegan. It's like, yeah, it's easy after you've been doing it for years and you learned all of these things and you've um, learned how to deal with the people and the situations and you've made a very strong commitment to it. You know, mm -hmm. if you're vegan right now in 2015, you're ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you're a unique person who is very dedicated and we forget that. Well, compared to trying to become vegan 10 years ago, like I hear the story that's like with the available options. I mean, yeah. you can eat. I mean, when I first started and I became vegan, it's like after the first month, I'm like, I am so tired of salads. <laughs> I, there has to be something else I can eat. And that's when I started exploring all the different foods and started getting creative in the kitchen. But there's so many options now yeah, that are available to us compared to just a few years ago. Yeah, I remember the first time that uh, I went into a pizza place and somebody else with asked, which vegan cheese do you use? <laughs> wow this is where we are well, we've come a long way yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah but it is growing exponentially even now because i feel like five years ago the grocery stores that i would go to just in la which is already more forward thinking and it's more easily accessible to get these foods i went back to my venice whole foods that i used to go to two years when i two years ago when i lived in santa monica maybe three years ago actually and they had Oh, an entire vegan counter of food, mm -hmm. make prepared food that they didn't have before. They had added all these vegan items to their menus. It was crazy. I had never seen anything like it. And I remember, I think we were talking about this, Vince, where the explosion of vegan cheese in yes. the past year has been yeah. crazy. There's yeah. so many more options than there used to be. And they're delicious. <laughs> it's very cool from a food science perspective. It's almost futuristic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like let's make all these very unique things out of plants. Like it's right. really wonderful. What are your thoughts on going back to the food and the science? Because it seems like a lot of companies are jumping on the vegan bandwagon to have options. But when you turn it over and look at the ingredients, it's like they're making it because they feel they have to tap into their market, but they're not really focusing on 
you know, the ingredients and making it a healthy alternative. The nutrition. Yeah, it's it's something I think about, you know, because now that all these big companies are doing it, you know, we're like, yeah, veganism. And then you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> thanks, yeah. Frito-Lay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, it's like, you know, sitting in Veggie Grill in a mall in Orange County. And I was like, man, is this what I've been working toward? You know, <laughs> is this what I want? Like this weird option in a mall, you know? Um, and then now, like all these investors own all of these companies. Yeah. And it's well, Hampton like, Creek. Yeah. I mean, a lot of there's a yeah. lot of craziness going on with them right now. Right. I mean, I think it's a positive thing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but just the fact that they can't use, you know, the whole mayo and then the cheese wording. and mm-hmm. What can't they do? There was a, I think it was the egg industry got yeah. upset with them and they wanted them to not use the word mayo on just mayo because they said because it doesn't have eggs, it shouldn't be called mayo. Oh. And just the same yeah. reason like certain vegan cheeses, I think like Miyoko's, it has to be Miyoko's creamery, can't be Miyoko's cheese because it doesn't say have a dairy. Because the industries are threatened because they know yeah. this is a legitimate <laughs> threat. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's part of it, definitely, but it... I mean, I might get some crap for this, but the FDA does have definitions for foods and mayonnaise by definition has eggs in it. Now, for them to apply it, I think, is because of pressure from the egg board and whatnot. For sure. For sure. But they're not just making it up as they go. Yeah. I have my issue is if 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 somebody's going to be able to make something that tastes like mayo, looks like mayo, feels like mayo, Mm -hmm. like mayo is not determined by the... I don't feel. Yeah. And I think maybe most consumers agree. Maybe not. I don't know. But mayo isn't determined by the ingredients and determined by you taste it, it tastes like mayo. But on the other hand, I don't know if either of you remember the lawsuit about guacamole, where there was a company that had a product that they were calling guacamole, but it had very little avocado in it. It was mostly oil-based. And they had managed to get the taste and color and texture that was very close to guacamole. And it said guacamole on the packaging and they got sued for it and, you know, came down and said, this isn't guacamole because by definition, guacamole is made out of avocados. Do they have any avocados? Very little. And so it went to court about, you know, how much avocado do you need? And clearly you need more than just a little bit. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, an Oreo, I mean... Okay, if that's not dairy in the middle of it. Right. It's <laughs> I mean, vegan, right. which is scary. What the hell is in there? That's what I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Really, what is in I there? I thought it was a milk center, wasn't it? Oh, it's not. Hydrogenated oil plus sugar. Nice <laughs> exactly. Gives that texture that everyone wants. Oh, my gosh. Gross. <laughs> Don't eat Oreos, Food Heals Nation. <laughs> we promote a vegan diet. We do not promote Oreos. <laughs> Tell us about your extensive athletic resume. You're a cycler, a marathon runner. What else do you do? I do a little bit of everything. Um, I got into this. I grew up riding BMX and skateboarding and just being active, uh-huh. but was never really into sports. And I still like using the, you know, calling myself an athlete always feels a little bit weird. Um, but I rode my bike cross country um, way back now in um, 2001. and um, Across the country. I rode across the country. I You're pre- an athlete, by uh, definition. Right. I don't know what the that's FDA is. That's impressive, man. That's amazing. Yeah, I yeah, could never uh, do that. Well, thank you. <laughs> I think you're a real small percentage there, I guess. <laughs> Anyone could do it. Um, <laughs> it takes more time than anything. Um, right. But, you know, then I moved to California right after that. And I thought, oh, I love riding my bike. And then it turned into, I got into these 
double centuries, which are 200 miles in one day, just wow. for fun. And then it turned into, well, if I can do that, then Iron Man's actually shorter. And then got into running because I wanted to run the LA Marathon because mm -hmm. I wanted to run in my own city. Yeah. And then it just built off of that and just as kind of a fun, adventurous thing. Um, you know, I never followed a strict training plan. I, I, you know, I'm always a little hesitant to hang out with athletes. No offense to athletes. Um, <laughs> but I've never quite been of the same mentality. You know, where you meet people and they want to know, well, what was your swim split when you did Ironman? I'm like, I don't uh, remember. Went uh, <laughs> out there and swam a little bit, yeah. man. That's all good. So it's like you're the non-competitive -competi type. You're doing it for yourself, it sounds like. Yeah, and just fun. And I love adventure. Mm -hmm. You know, I love being out in the world. And I, I think there's a big um, mental aspect, especially to yeah. endurance sports. Absolutely. You know, 24-hour um, mountain bike races where you're just on your mountain bike from <sighs> noon to noon. Oh my God! I and you're out in the woods, and you're alone, and you have your, you know, just your light on your bike in front of you, and you're wondering where everyone else went, and if anyone else is still racing, and it's pretty neat. <laughs> I can't even imagine. This is so yeah. far past anything I've ever done. I'm just so impressed. <laughs> well, how, when did you take the nutrition background that you had, and did you ever like apply that to the? competitive side of, of all these things you were doing yeah a little bit um it's it's difficult because you know it's a billion dollar industry looking at yeah. supplements and what gives you an advantage and people are like whey protein and then you look at the research and you're like there's a tiny tiny chance of a tiny tiny benefit but we hear about it all the time whey protein whey protein mm -hmm. you know and i think a lot of things are like that um but i definitely did apply this sort of looking at the timing of what you eat and um you know, being able to go through all the different foods and seeing what worked for me because it becomes very individual when yeah. you're eating yes. for like the 12th hour or 20th hour, you know, and it's like, okay, pretzels are not a health food, but if you can get them down, <laughs> they're the energy and you should eat them, you yeah. know, if you've eaten 10 bananas already, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're biking for 24 hours, do you stop to eat? Like, how does that work? <laughs> you do. Um, you, um, it's a, it's a loop usually mm -hmm. which sounds boring but it's not because it takes between an hour and an hour and a half depending on the course and it changes throughout the day because the sun moves and that's cool all yeah. sorts of stuff you know um and so you kind of have a i don't know base camp for uh, like a better <laughs> word set up at the campground so you come through and if, if you have friends your friends are there and they're giving you food and setting up stuff and saying do you want this do you want a cold drink and it's funny because it goes from like very cold drinks to like hot soup within a couple of hours because you, know, you go from being super hot to super cold <laughs> you know and and what happens often and for any athletes that are out there that are interested in this the biggest mistake people make is um they let themselves get too hungry yeah and then they overeat they wait too long. and then they have an upset stomach and then they quit <laughs> that's the biggest mistake that i see all the time with people even with marathon training yeah you know so what do you have to eat? You have to eat very small amounts in a certain integrals of time or? Yeah, that's a, uh, that, that definitely works. And you also have to do trial and error. You know, yeah. we want everything to work first yeah. time and sometimes it just doesn't work. I, I get a lot of clients who are like, I only want to eat dates and bananas. And it's clearly not working for them. <laughs> I say, look, will you consider something that isn't a whole food just to see? Yeah. And see how it works and you can do mostly dates and bananas you know because <laughs> it's different when you're an athlete and you know when you're out running and you're supporting yourself and you know some some athletes need like five six seven thousand calories a yeah. day and it's hard to get that well, your you body's know? processing everything yeah. at such a rapid pace yeah. you, you need to keep fueling it yeah yeah 
And it's interesting, right? It's like the benefits of plant-based diet is you get full on less food. So you people tend to lose weight. But then when you're an athlete, you're like, oh, my God, I have to eat so I have to eat a much lot. food. Yeah. yeah, I notice when, when I start working out, if I start a workout routine, I am eating constantly. Yeah. Like an hour, I'll eat something an hour later, I'm I'm grabbing something. Because you're burning it faster because you're building so that fast. muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have a show, Strongest Hearts. Yes. I work with... Um, a filmmaker named Sasha Perry, and uh, we were very good friends over a decade, um, both athletes. And uh, we were thinking, you know, um, Sasha said, I'm a filmmaker and you're a dietitian, and we have friends doing all these crazy athletic events. Mm-hmm. We should film them. I think people would be interested in it. And so that's how it started. And um, we do like day in the life style mini documentaries. Um, it's called Strongest Hearts. All our videos are on strongesthearts.org and they're free. And it's just to show people, awesome. look, this can be done. Yeah. You know, we don't say like, oh, you can run as fast as Scott Jorick, you know, <laughs> or um, you can. What did uh, what's his name do? The Armenian dude. Um, the like strong man. Oh, his name is slipping my mind right now. Oh, but he sure. like carried like a thousand pounds on his shoulders like x distance you know and, and he's vegan incredible vegan athlete you, know? you can do this too <laughs> just eat tofu you know? <laughs> um and so we just show how people how they eat and say look what these runners eat look what these cyclists eat and it's different and we show some of them racing we worked with a guy who ran his first hundred mile race i saw that one yeah, yeah donovan jenkins and it was just fun out being out there and helping him and I actually paced him for a bunch of it and it was just uh Really great, just to show what he does and how he eats, and saying, "Look, he's vegan and he did it." That's yeah. cool. That was a good episode. I really liked just the style of filmmaking and how you really felt you were there and like a part of it. I really I appreciate that. As a filmmaker, I know good good filmmaking and good storytelling, <laughs> so I say that with, I mean it. Um, and then uh, there was another one I I watched where um, you know it was about vegan bodybuilding, and someone said. Uh, when they would win trophies or they would win the bodybuilding or whatever, people would be like, oh, they won even though in spite of the fact that they were vegan. They're like, no, I won because I'm vegan. And I really liked that. I thought that was a really cool perspective. Right on. That episode was really fun being out there with the plant-built team in Austin at the Naturally Fit Games. I mean, I learned a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And you say it in the video. You're like, I'm not sure what I think about this. (laughs) They go to some extremes and it really was like, wow, okay. But then people say the same thing about, you know, long distance cycling. Yeah. They say, you shouldn't be doing that. It's dangerous. And it's kind of the same thing with them. But that's what happens when you go to those extremes in almost anything. Well, I do wonder about that. What's your opinion on the fact that someone would say, okay, riding a bike for 24 hours is very extreme. Could Could it be very damaging? Or even people say the LA Marathon, which is 26 miles, is very extreme. And I haven't done it yet. The farthest I've ever run is 13. So, you know, I've always had it in mind that I want to do the LA Marathon, but I'm just not there yet mentally, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. But what is your opinion on that? Is it so extreme? Can this be detrimental to your body? Or can anyone do this with the proper, like, you know, beliefs and training? You know, I, I would just say that there are risks. There are risks involved. And you kind of have to build up to this, you know, running 100 miles isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do it stepwise, you know, you can build up to it. And I would say most people could, you know, can you get injured? Yeah, you absolutely. Um, but people get injured all the time yeah, right? in the, their bathtub and the stairs yeah. and all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, you know? athletes get injured. You know, right. Professional athletes get injured all right, the time. Right, a lot. Um, I'm a New York Giants fan and they're always injured. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are risks. And, you know, I, I say this, I think, in the bodybuilding episode, you know, you don't have to take it to that extreme. They aren't. I think Danny from Plant Built says this. She's not any healthier. 
because she takes it to that extreme. She makes that distinction that mm. she wants to do it because she's a competitor. Yeah, that's what she but chooses to do. She's not healthier because of it. Yeah. And that's important because, you know, people are always sharing bodybuilding photos and being like, look at this vegan. You can be like this. It's like, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> there may be a little something else behind this. Yeah, a lot of hardware. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting. Um, tell us about your books. I know you have two books. I'm I'm a co-author in three different books. Okay, yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. I know No Meat Athlete. I don't mm-hmm. know the other ones. So the first book I ever worked on was with Isa Moskowitz um, called Appetite for Reduction. Okay. And we had a mutual friend. We kind of come from the same sort of punk community. And a <laughs> friend said, hey, Isa's looking for a nutrition expert. And so we connected over it. And it was a really great opportunity. I mean, she really is the, the queen of co- vegan cookbooks. I mean, she's, what, 10 of them now or something. Wow. And she's really brilliant. And so it was an honor to work with her. And I wrote the nutrition chapters and I did uh, – you know, the nutrition tips throughout the book and the nutrition info for each recipe. So it was a great experience. And then um, I was writing for Matt Frazier's site, No Meat Athlete, and he got a book deal. And I said, do you want me to write some nutrition stuff? And he said, yes, I would love that. <laughs> you know, and so I became a co-author for that, and uh, which was another great experience. And then um, that same publisher, uh, Fairwinds Press, said, hey, we loved your work. Will you write a book in a superfood series with us? Mm. And I said, well, that's not really my thing. (laughs) And they said coconut. And I said, well, I'm not convinced about coconut. And so, yeah. And then they said, what about cacao and chocolate? And I thought, well, one, there's a lot of research on chocolate. You know, Harvard got into this about two decades ago. And so if Harvard's doing it, you know, all these other universities and researchers really have put a lot of work into studying the benefits of chocolate. And then um, secondly, I have a friend uh, who's a chef named Joshua Plogue, and he loves using cacao in savory dishes. Mm -hmm. So I invited him. I asked if he wanted to be a part of it by doing the recipes, and he said, absolutely. And so we did that book together. Very cool. So let's talk about chocolate because (laughs) I'm a girl and the stereotype (laughs) is true. We love chocolate. I don't know. Some guys do. Some guys don't. But I don't know one girl who doesn't love chocolate. (laughs) So I know you can't go out and get a Snickers bar and think that's healthy. But what is what are the forms of chocolate or cacao, things like that, that we actually can have and feel good about ourselves and eat with our red wine or whatever? (laughs) Um, You know, the darker, the better with chocolate. you know, if you can do the whole cacao bean, sure, that's great. If you can add to smoothies and whatnot. Um, but it's a, it's a bitter bean. Um, yeah. not, it's not for everyone. And uh, someone who reviewed the book said, I love this book. It's great. Matt and Joshua are great. But these recipes aren't for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least they're honest. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, you know, the darker, the better. And uh, that includes some sugar, some form of sweetener. And I think that that's okay. You know, and then you can go down the scale, right, all the way from what what do you see, like eighty seven percent is that maybe the darkest you can get, all the way to uh, Snickers bar, right, which has very <laughs> very little actual cacao in there, yeah. and very little nutritional value, exactly. if any. Exactly, <laughs> we are not promoting. <laughs> <laughs> and well, go ahead. Now, what are your thoughts on like a raw, like talking about like chocolate and raw cacao, mm-hmm. like on a raw, like there's a lot of raw foodists out there and I've contemplated it. I've never done it before, but what are your thoughts on on a raw vegan diet compared to, you know, a regular vegan diet? So my stance on this is that there's no evidence that I've seen that eating raw vegan is better than eating a whole foods, plant-based cooked vegan diet. Yeah. And I think raw is taking it to a bit of an extreme, mm-hmm. you know, and for what benefit? I'm not sure. 
You know, I understand it ideologically. Fruits and vegetables are very good for you, so let's only eat those. And I get that, and I respect that for sure. But I'm not sure that it has to be raw. You know, like quinoa and lentils, and yeah. you know these things are good for Legumes, you. Sauteing I mean, your yeah. kale, cooking your carrots actually has benefits over eating them raw. You know, and there's some evidence that same with tomatoes. You tomatoes, know, you may get yeah. more lycopene if you cook them than if you don't. And um, I'm not saying you have to. You know, you don't have to eat cooked. If you want to be raw, you can make it work. But I'm always saying, like, you don't have to do any of these specific, you know, types of plant-based diets. Yeah. You know, what are you doing most often? Is it whole foods plant-based? Okay. Yeah. You can eat some fake meat in there. That's okay, too. I always hated the labels. Yeah. Because I felt like if you put a label on it, you're forcing yourself to do that. And then it's like you feel like, I'm raw. Man, but I really want that quinoa today. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't why don't, don't call yourself raw? And yeah. just say you're a plant-based, you know, if, like I'm, I'm not raw, but I probably have most of my breakfast and maybe half of my lunches are always raw, but I don't say I'm a raw foodist or anything mm-hmm. like that. Cause I eat a lot of cooked food too. Right. So you just do whatever you're, I always try to listen to my body yeah. and whatever my body wants. That's what I usually try to give it. The problem with that for me is I always want coffee, <laughs> <laughs> which I do drink, but not as often as my body wants it. Hey, coffee stimulates brain functions. Not yep. so bad. Right, right. And it's really easy to get caught up in these little things like cacao and coffee. And, you know, really what the evidence points to is like, what do you do most often? It's like the meals that we don't think about. And for your average American, you know, they're like, well, sometimes I eat nachos with my friends on Friday night. And I know that's unhealthy. And I think, well, what are you doing Monday through Friday? Right. You know, what are you eating for lunch? What are you snacking on midday? And it's sort of those things that matter. It's these patterns. That's really what matters most. Yeah, you really have to. I feel you have to have you have to give yourself those breaks, especially if you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. Like, don't kill yourself if you want to go out and have a nachos or have a, a vegan dessert that has sugar in it or something because you're better off having that and not binging the whole week. Have it that one day and enjoy it and just kind of go right. on. And it comes back to sort of the Italian thing, right? It's like food, <laughs> food is very enjoyable and it's yes. very pleasurable. And what is the trade-off for eliminating so much of it? Yeah. You know, and people say that about veganism. Oh, it's extreme, right? <laughs> you know, why? food's pleasurable, just enjoy it. I don't think being vegan is extreme, but yeah. it can be taken to extremes. Yes. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well, I think from people that aren't vegan, they look at it as it's like, oh my, that that's an yeah. extreme lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Well, if yeah. you're starting very far away from it, because I, I used to be like that, and to see where I am now, that would be extreme. But yeah. it's a slow progression in most people's cases. I mean, some people go crazy and they're like, all right, you know what? Today I'm vegan or today I'm raw or whatever. And that's not necessarily the healthiest because your body has to slowly detox and, and mm-hmm. ar- arrange itself properly to <laughs> adapt that diet. And for me, it was a slow process. And I did go a little extreme and then I came back and I kind of found myself in the middle and that was what worked for me. But everybody's different. Um, going back to the raw vegan diet, for me, what I've found is I can't be raw vegan in the winter because my body wants warm, warm. food. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to be said about Ayurveda and a lot to be said in Chinese medicine where they're very about that concept. But to, you know, for the pro raw vegan thing, what I would say is I met two people that have reversed their cancer by going raw vegan temporarily for a long period of time 
Um, and then there's Joe Cross, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, who basically was juicing and doing raw for a long period of time in order to get his body back into balance and homeostasis. And at that point was able to go, okay, now what is my diet going to be? And all of them basically chose vegetarian or vegan diets. But the point is, is that I think it is does have healing properties for certain time periods for cleansing and for certain diseases. Is it a long-term solution? Maybe for some people, not for me. Probably not for right. any of us in this room, but right. hey, there's it, something for it. It's the same too with oil-free. Oil-free. <laughs> you know, okay. and the Engine 2 and Esselstyn and all of that. And it's like, okay, Esselstyn has treated people who have heart disease, mm-hmm. you know, have had heart attacks and has gotten great results. I mean, we have evidence he's published in journals and whatnot. But for your average person who has reduced their risks of heart disease in so many ways, Mm -hmm. do you need to totally eliminate oil? Eh, I'm not sure you do. You know, your cholesterol is 140. (laughs) You know, you're you're pretty good. It's like saute some veggies if you want. Yeah. And I think think most people become vegan and they do it gradually. Like for me, initially I did it for health reasons. And then it, I just gradually started getting rid of the cheese and then the meat and then the fish was the last thing I gave up. And then I started finding out about the lifestyle. And I remember it was Christmas and one of my family members gave me like a leather belt. And I'm like, you know, you don't want to say that in front of them, but I, I have this yeah. expression already. So like, well, what's wrong? I go, well, I, you know, I, I don't, I choose not to buy or wear leather products anymore. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> what, are your, what are your shoes? What are your belts? That's the best thing. That's the best yeah. quality. I'm like, it's just a decision that I made. You know, that mm-hmm. it's a it's a, it's a choice. And some people say, like, especially with food, they say, oh, you can't have that. It's like, no, I can. I choose not to. Right. You know, right. and I think there's a big difference in how you word that when you talk to people, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how can someone live car free in California? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had no idea how popular that would be, especially amongst <laughs> vegans. Um, <laughs> for me, um you know, I've always ridden bikes my whole entire life. I mean, I raced BMX when I was four years old. And so I was just always on a bicycle. And to me, it's been just this like vehicle for adventure and like great times. And, um, you know, so that transition to like mountain biking and then, um, you know, riding road as we talked about. And then for the city, it's the perfect vehicle. I mean, to get around quickly and efficiently and easily, I love it. Um, you know, anything within five miles is, is easy to do. And, you know, they say that it takes as much energy to ride four miles as it does to walk one mile mm. because the bike is so efficient, right. mm-hmm. you know? And so for me, a place like Los Angeles, it's like, I don't want to drive in traffic. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and the way over here, you know, it was rush hour and luckily there were enough cars that they were going really slow and I was riding in the middle between them, passing them. It's probably the best yeah, time to ride a say, bike. You're probably you know? moving faster than a lot of those right. cars right now. <laughs> and it's funny because when I drive, and I do end up driving a lot, I feel like I'm always renting cars because I travel so often. Mm. I'm like sitting at a light and I feel so trapped. Yeah. You know? And if I was on a bike, I would be like, I would make a right turn. And then I would make a left turn somewhere, you know? And I just, I do that. As opposed to just sitting, waiting for every single light, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and I know, again, like veganism, right? 
it's easy for me because I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what to do and where to go and have the lights and I know how to get, you know, change a flat tire and uh, I know which roads to avoid and yeah. all that has just come with, you know, knowledge. And um, is it dangerous? Yeah, there's a risk to it, but so is driving. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a risk right? with everything. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't get around that. Right. And then, you know, it comes to extreme again. People will be like, well, sometimes it rains and I have to take my laptop to work. It's like, okay, when it rains, don't ride. Yeah. <laughs> and you should take your laptop, drive. And what about it, the other days? It never rains in LA, so that's once <laughs> per year. Yeah, right, right. You know, and it's again, it's like taking these steps. It's like, okay, you don't want to ride to work. You're worried about being sweaty. I understand that. Can you ride one mile to the store or to a friend's house? Yeah. You know, they would say like draw a circle, you know, around your house and like one mile, walk it. Four miles, bike it. You know, 10 miles, public mm-hmm. transit. And then beyond that, drive. You know, it's just like a new way to think about how we get around. And it's just habit, right? You're like, I'm going to go to the store. Oh, I could walk, but... And we have five reasons why we shouldn't walk. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Because we're not in the habit at all. Right. I might have to drive later or, yeah, it's hot or I'm going to get more groceries, you know? Right. But when you don't have a car, you're just like, well, I'm going to make this work, you know? I I stop it. I get off the train and I stop at Trader Joe's because it's there and I probably need something, you know? So you just add it up, you know? Yeah, you know, I I was really an avid bike rider when I lived in Santa Monica because I felt safe. Yeah. And they have big bike lanes and there were mm-hmm. so many places within four miles that I could easily bike to my gym, my grocery store, my friend's house, the beach, you know. And then when I came back to West Hollywood, I have my bike back there and I rarely ride it unless it's just to go for a ride, like yeah. just to exercise or have fun. And the reason for me is just fear. So yeah. I'm inspired by you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And <laughs> I'm getting pumped up about this now. I think I'm going to go ride my bike a little it's more. Great. This yeah. It's great. Um, you know, little steps, right? And the more people who are doing it and it's changed like veganism, yeah. mm-hmm. it's changed tremendously, you know, and, you know, like the Los Angeles Bicycle Coalition, which is a great organization. They've been around since the late 90s. And they have like more and more members and they're doing all sorts of stuff. And uh, we have Streets Blog, which is a website that covers all these issues. So, cool. Like LA is moving forward. Yeah, they really, they really are. are. Yeah. So um, did, did you bike to Vita VeganCon? I wish. <laughs> okay. uh, I had to ask, you know. That's California to Texas for our <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, I just ordered maps from a bicycle, t- a company that makes maps for this sort of thing. Um for the LA to Austin really? maps. Yeah, because I want to do it. Wow. I think in the winter it'll be good because it might have some snow over the mountains, but otherwise the weather would be good. Yeah. So well, I'm, we, thinking, I'm thinking about riding to Austin. Well, we drove. <laughs> yeah. We drove there when we went earlier this year. And we did LA to West Texas the first day, 15 yeah. hours. Mm. We made it all the way to this little town. I can't even remember the name of it right now. And uh, made it to a hotel there, and then eight days the second day we made it into Austin. Yeah. How how long? Eight hours. Eight hours. Eight hours the second day. What? (laughs) It was about eight hours, and then fifteen hours the first day. Oh my god. Texas is big. Yeah, yeah. I think it takes a long time to get through. <laughs> yeah, I, I hopped on the No Meat Athlete book tour with Matt um, in Los Angeles, and we did a bunch of uh, spots in Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, and um, had to go all the way to Austin. And mm-hmm. I think we stayed with friends of mine every night except like West Texas because we just couldn't <laughs> do the drive all at once and we knew no one, you know? Yeah. Well, I flew to be in college. <laughs> yeah, so did I. <laughs> It's like a two or three hour flight. I forget. It's not too bad. But I have driven through Texas. When I moved from North Carolina to Los Angeles, I did drive across the country. 
Um, but I probably wouldn't do that again. <laughs> I would rather try biking or something exciting than drive. Biking or flying sounds better than drive. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with Matt's tips on how to make the change to a vegan lifestyle. And if you are already vegan or vegetarian, you want to help a friend or a loved one to transition, Matt's got some great tips for that too. So we'll be right back. Food Heals Nation, if you are looking for the highest quality supplements, the most luscious organic skincare, and a brand name that you can trust to be free from toxic chemicals, look no further than the Global Healing Center. I have been using their products for years. Their Parfait Visage face lotion literally makes my skin look younger. And it comes in a beautiful bottle, so it is perfect as a gift as well. And the Oxy Powder Colon Cleanse Capsules are the most powerful detox supplements I have ever use. They get everything out and they don't leave you feeling full or uncomfortable. The mission of the Global Healing Center is to bring back good health, positive thinking, happiness, and love. And they want to help you realize that your body is a self-healing mechanism. Well, I couldn't agree more. So I've teamed up with Dr. Group and the Global Healing Center to bring you a discount exclusive to Food Heals listeners. Go to their website at globalhealingcenter.com, pick out the items you want, and use the discount code FOODHEALS, all one word, for 20% off your purchase, plus free shipping to the U.S. and Canada. 20% off is a great deal, Food Heals Nation. I love their products, and I know you will too. You are listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. All right, Food Heals Nation, we're back with my co-host, Vince Leah, healthy vegan guy, and our guest, Matt Resigno. In addition to working with vegetarian clients and athletes, Matt is the past chair of the Vegetarian Group of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. He is the co-author of the No Meat Athlete book with Matt Frazier and Appetite for Reduction with Issa Moskowitz. And he has a web series called Strongest Heart, which follows a day in the life of plant-powered athletes. So Matt's got some tips for us. He is going to help us if you want to make a change to the vegan diet or you want to help a loved one make a change. Matt, what do you recommend? (laughs) So my most basic tip is you have to meet people where they are. You know, you have to recognize sort of what level of change and commitment and interest they're at. And it takes a little bit of sort of knowledge on your part and, you know, understanding and empathy to see where they are. You know, we just want to give everyone all the books and all the recipes. You know, not everyone's ready to jump right into that. Sure. So you got to meet people with where they're at. That's my biggest tip, you know. There are some folks that I've known for over a decade that are just, they know what I do. They know what I'm passionate about. They're just now sort of getting into veganism. It took Mm -hmm. them 10 years, right? And so I knew with some of those folks that they weren't going to come around. So I was just being an example. Oh, this is what I eat. And when I go out to eat, this is what I eat. And it tastes good. And these are some of the books that I read and very casual. And then other folks who are very motivated, you could say, okay, here's a book to read. Here's my favorite recipe. Here's where I grocery shop. I think sometimes as vegans, we get so excited that we (laughs) overwhelm people, you know? And they're like, wait, I can't shop where and what's GMO? And, you know, they just, we overload them, you know? And so the second part of that would be, People eat vegan foods and they don't even realize it, mm-hmm. you know, and then they can make some pretty simple changes. And I, I thought about this more when someone, a friend of a friend said, oh, I rarely eat vegan food. 
And what they meant is they rarely go to a vegan restaurant mm-hmm. yeah. or eat something that's labeled vegan, you know? Right. And so it's like, and some folks, it's like, have you ever had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> vegan, right? Mostly. We can talk about the bread and whatnot, but you know what I'm saying. Right. right? Um, so you meet people where they're at and then... Um, you help them understand that it doesn't require these huge changes right away. You know, can you replace the meat sometimes? You know, can you look at meatless Mondays? Can mm-hmm. you look at these other protein, you know, sources? That sort of thing. I think a great example of someone who does this really well is Vince. Because <laughs> if you watch his videos, especially on Snapchat, he takes his friends to vegan <laughs> restaurants. Tell them, tell them in your own words what you do. Oh, like one time I was out with my buddy. And it was around lunchtime, and I'm like, oh, let's go get some pulled pork. And he looks at me, and he's like, you don't <laughs> eat pork. And I was like, oh, this is a really good restaurant. We're going to go there. And he's look- he gives us this look of like, I don't know about this. <laughs> but we go there, and I order two pulled pork sandwiches. And he's like, this is, I, I wouldn't have known. This, was, right. this wasn't this was pork. Right. It was made out of jackfruit. It was marinated. It's a local place here in L.A. called Organics. And ever since then, I've taken like three people there. I've taken him to different restaurants when we're out and about. And if I have somebody in my car that's never been to a vegan restaurant and I can, it's like close to lunch. We're going to make it a lunch. We could go stop somewhere. I'll find a vegan restaurant that I've been to. So I know what to get. So I know it's not going to be something that's like so out there there that they're going to be like, I'm never going to have this again. Mm -hmm. Because you need Mm -hmm. to make something that. Because if you've been vegan for a while, maybe your palate's changed. Yes. You know, from somebody that, that eats meat every day. Yeah. So you want to make sure it goes well with what... Like veggie grill. Yeah. I mean, that's my, one of my buddies the veggie grill. And I had him on Snapchat. And I'm like, all right, guy. Let's go. And, and he was just like, wow, I, I can't believe. Like, I feel like I'm eating chicken. Right. You know, because they right. have that meat <laughs> alternative that, that works. Tastes, mm-hmm. tastes good. So, yeah. And related to that, I would add... Um, we overestimate how much thought people have given to things. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't think about their food, mm-hmm. where it comes from, you know, they don't think about how it affects their health. They don't think about their habits. And we, you know, borderline obsess over it. Right? <laughs> and so we forget to scale way, way, way back. Yeah. You know, people like had one vegan friend 10 years ago who ate only salad and bland tofu. That is their perception of veganism. Mm hmm. It really is. And a lot of people have yeah. that, I think, have yeah. that perception of you. Yep, yep. And then it's related to just defensiveness. Yeah. You know, people are very defensive about what they do. And it's it's important to take that into consideration, you know. You're messing with people's lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, what you do is wrong. Like, no one ever wants to hear that. Yeah. You know, and so we do need to be careful with, you know, how we approach these things. Yeah, and I'm, I'll go out to lunch and if we're at like a... Maybe we're not at a vegan restaurant, but it's like, that's fine. If I'm only vegan, I'm not going to tell everybody we have to go to a vegan restaurant. And they're going to have whatever, and I'm going to find something on the menu that I can make vegan or do whatever it is I need to do to eat it. And they're going to have their hamburgers or their meat, and I'm not going to look at them and be like, how can you eat that? Do you know where that? I'm not going to criticize. I'm going to let them enjoy that. But I find that over time, they usually come to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And eventually, they're going to ask me a question of, What's your, what, you know, right. question about milk or question right. about meat, you know, what are your thoughts or why don't you eat that or are certain ones better? And then that gives you the opportunity yeah. to just kind of talk about it. Right. And it doesn't make us any less passionate. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I am absolutely motivated to change the world for the better for animals and for humans. Like, I is, I am, feel very strongly about that just because I don't tell everyone that at every meal, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's a tactic. It's saying, you know, what's the best way to help people change? And, and for me, it's being a good example. Yeah. You know, someone said to me once, you know, because in cycling, a lot of people aren't vegan, you know. Someone said, all seriousness, I had no idea you were vegan because you don't talk about it nonstop. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And so, hey, it just gives them a different perspective. Yeah, you don't have to be that force it down your throat type. And unfortunately, there are people out there, but there are people like that in every every topic, politics, you know, religion, whatever. Mm -hmm. And because there are vegans or animal activists that are like that, sometimes that's people's impression when really it's like, no, you can be a quiet vegan or you can be a quiet animal lover and just lead by example, which it sounds like both of you guys are doing. Right. And, you know, there's a time for militancy, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you are really that motivated, then like Facebook commenting isn't where you should be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like join a social movements you know be in the streets you Uh know be a part of it you know take that energy in a different way instead of like yelling at people while they eat lunch you know yeah well i mean even another aspect of that is when you know beyonce came out with her Mm -hmm. 22 22 day nutrition she becoming vegan or not becoming vegan but eating a plant-based diet doesn't Mm -hmm. she have a meal delivery system now? yeah and i think that you know a lot of people were bashing her she wears fur she's not vegan but she's promoting a vegan diet or plant-based meals. Right. In my eyes, she's reaching how many millions of people with every comment, and right. she's using the word vegan. Now, mm-hmm. she's on that journey. Don't know if she's going to get there. Maybe she won't, but she's experimenting with vegan food. To me, I don't see a downside to that. Yeah. Agreed. But a lot of people do. Yeah. Well, so. and that's, you know, that goes back to the whole thing about judgment. And, you know, when you're trying to be a more conscious person that comes into the food you eat and the products you buy and things like that and being a more conscious person means you're not judging people and you're not even judging yourself you're just going here's where i'm at here's where i'm trying to be and if you want to be non-toxic you can go vegan but you also got to work on the thoughts in your head so if you're judging beyonce or whoever for what she's doing because she's not a perfect vegan or because she is going vegan and you don't like that either way that's a judgment that's toxic to your body so let's get rid of that right now yeah. stop judging people <laughs> everyone <laughs> calm relax all good <laughs> Meditate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's always a balance for sure. And it, it's tough because once you start learning about all the social justice stuff, you want to point it out, yeah. you know, and you want to tell people, hey, that statement is racist or <laughs> your position on this is offensive to women, you right. know, and it's not yeah. about like personal feelings, you know, it's like about these larger, you know, yeah. this institutionalized issues, you know. Totally. And um, earlier you mentioned the environmental factors. What are some of the environmental benefits to adopting a vegan diet? Or what are some of the detriments to society for eating a mostly meat-centric diet? Um, You know, it's just inefficient to eat animals as food um, because they have to eat, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's just that that math will never work in the favor of the animal industry. And on any scale. And then unfortunately, we're at a huge, huge scale with factory farming. 
you know, and um, we have to deal with the animal waste that is created, you know, and where does it go and what are the animals fed? And and really, I think it is a microcosm of, of capitalism, of yeah. growth oh, and sure. profit and, um, you know, animals being treated as just things, you know, and commodities. Yeah. Right. And, you know, maybe that's peaked, you know, I'm not sure, but it feels in a way like it has with some of so. the, you know, um, you know, taking, you know, going cage free and whatnot and just making these really horrific farms um, more expensive, you know, just so that they can't do it to the scale. Yeah. Well, there's some statistic and I don't remember the exact what it is, but the amount of rainforest we're destroying every second in order to make mm-hmm. room for these factory farms and mm-hmm. to raise animals as meat. And, you know, how unsustainable that is. It's completely right. unsustainable to feed the amount of people on the planet today eating the amount of meat they are at the rate that they are mm-hmm. today is completely unsustainable mm-hmm. so either the environment either we're going to destroy the land the oceans and then we have nothing because of our obsession with meat or we have to reverse this almost immediately right and you know changes may come in the u.s but it's going to be just like just like tobacco and just like you know um um, pesticides and whatnot that have been outlawed in the United States, it gets shipped to, you know, the global south, yeah. you know, and pushed on those folks. And um, and that's unfortunate as well. Yeah. You know? So as a vegan, do you feel like you're making this contribution to the environment? Like, what is that, you know, how is your carbon footprint, all of ours, um, reduced by eating this diet? You know, we're using fewer resources, Right. And um, because people forget even when they talk about local. Right. Well, where did the food that the cow is eating come from? Mm. You know, yeah. how far was that shipped from? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, and oh, what was it made don't... out of? Right. Yeah. Right. And um, and so, you know, we're eating more efficiently. I think, and we can look at this. There's some research out of the University of Chicago that says, like, shipping bananas from Central America in a giant cargo ship is actually has a lower environmental impact than eating local beef, right? Because of the amount of energy it takes to feed that cow mm-hmm. and then turn that cow into food that we eat. Meanwhile, the bananas are pretty efficient. <laughs> you know, bananas have all sorts of issues with labor and whatnot, of course. Um, but it's actually pretty efficient to load up a cargo ship because they're unripened so they don't get smashed and you can load them on top of each other and that's probably why they're so cheap. You know, so it is complex for sure. But I think... Eating plant-based is a big part of that, and we're seeing more um, environmentalists recognize this, right, and making that step. And what about the chronic disease problem and obesity and all these things that are going on? How can eating a more plant-centric diet really combat that? Right, and that's something I know more about than the environment. (laughs) 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 Struggled through that previous answer a little bit. Um, Well, we couldn't tell. We're really fortunate, and I say this a lot when I talk to vegans and at VegFests and whatnot, I think most vegans would eat this way even at risk to their own health. They would say, I care about animals, I care about the environment. But we're really fortunate that there's decades of evidence that says eating more plants is actually beneficial. You know, we have this evidence when we look at the research, you know, the Adventist Health Study, which was done through, you know, Loma Linda University, where they followed tens of thousands of people and saw how they ate and what diseases they got. 
right? And we found out that the vegetarians lived longer and they can control for things like smoking and exercise and body weight and all these mm-hmm. confounding factors. You know, because vegetarians tend to have a healthier lifestyle, which makes the research a little more complicated. But you can factor those out and say, wow, they actually are living longer because they have lower rates of almost every chronic disease, cancer, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, stroke. You know, we have that actual evidence. So it's great. That's amazing. You know, you know I totally agree. And I think that the more people wake up to that, it's like, okay, you can decide to do this for the animals. You can decide to do this for the environment, or you can decide to do this for your own health. And then what happens is you start to realize whatever you decided on is working. And then you're also going to do it for all the other reasons. Yeah, so a right. lot of people start with the animals, which I believe is how you did. I didn't start with the animals. Mm-hmm. I did. I started with the health after losing both of my parents to cancer and realizing like, oh my gosh, their diets were toxic. Their lifestyles were toxic. And all these people I was meeting when I moved to LA were healing themselves with this plant-based vegan diet and alternative medicine. And so for me, it was like, well, I'm never going to get cancer. So I'm doing this for my own health. And then I started learning about factory farming, Mm -hmm. animal abuse, Mm -hmm. and the environmental impacts. And I was like, okay, even if I'm going to be unhealthy for myself, I can't go back because of those reasons. So it's like this trifecta of reasons. And I feel so passionately about it. And I'm not a perfect vegan and I don't claim to be, but I eat a primarily vegetarian and like 95% vegan. I still have my honey. I still have a slice of birth, birthday cake once in a while, but I'm I'm okay with that. I'm happy with where I'm at. Right. Um, I'm on the board for um, a conference called Plant-Based Prevention of Disease. And it's in North Carolina, actually. I love In it. Raleigh. Um, oh my God, I should come because then yeah. I can visit all my friends <laughs> yes. and then come to the conference. <laughs> yeah, there you go. May of 2016 is our next conference. I'm in. I'll be there. <laughs> great. I swear. Um, and we have, you know, all these great physicians and cardiologists and, you know, nurse practitioners and dietitians talking about this. And a lot of them came to it through um, health, mm-hmm. you know, saying, oh, you know, Dr. Ostfeld in New York City saying, I saw these results in my patients and it was incredible. Yeah. And then they come around on the other issues, you know, because they, they recognize it and they're reading books and it's a smart bunch, you know, yeah. who are making this transition. We're ahead of the curve here. If those are, if why can't that become more mainstream in the medical field though? I, I, cause science and health in any industry is an old dinosaur. Yeah. It's just slow moving. You know, it just takes a lot of time. And then we can talk again about profit, you know, know, of course, and all that. I don't think it's, you know, conspiracy theory, you know, like (laughs) big pharma is controlling it or anything. It's just culture. It's just a culture of like, um, you know, people aren't going to change. You know, I did my clinical rotation here at Cedar sinai Mm -hmm. and doctors are like, nope, they're not going to adhere to that diet. Prescribe this pill. Done. Right. Because they have a job to do and they can do that job by prescribing the pill. Mm-hmm. Their job is done. It's their way of thinking. It's very cultural. And to say, well, you know, if they eat quinoa, and they're like, are you crazy? They don't even know what quinoa is. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so it takes a long time for change to happen. And yeah, it's frustrating. That's you know? true. And the fact that, you know, one of my best friends had breast cancer. She was treated at Cedar sinai and after going through a mastectomy and then still continuing with chemotherapy and radiation, she said to her doctor, um, after realizing there were alternative methods to healing and nutrition and everything like that, she said, what about juicing? What about this Gerson therapy? What about all these alternative methods? And her doctor said to her, I am by law not allowed to prescribe nutrition. I am only allowed to prescribe chemotherapy, radiation, and drugs, something like that, for your condition. You're welcome to look into those other things on your own, Mm. but I can't speak to that 
legally whether he believed in it or not right and that's scary interesting i've never heard that is put it that way before yeah because most doctors seem to talk about nutrition almost too much in my opinion well now (laughs) i think they are now but in my experience back in the day um 10 years ago in north carolina asking my parents doctors does nutrition matter and he said absolutely not does not matter wow i believed it i didn't know any better i'm 20 years old i don't know anything about the world yeah and it's it, it is it does get very complicated too especially with cancer because there's so much we don't know mm-hmm. and um you know there are vegans who've gotten cancer of course you know yeah. and it's about risk reduction and yeah. that's what i tell people and another sort of a tip here about this is um people are very slow to change and they will use the exception as the rule yeah mm-hmm. so they find one little thing oh this whole entire diet doesn't work right <laughs> you know right. because they found one thing they heard about one person you know, because they're resistant yeah. to it. You know, it's on us to have more evidence. Yeah. You know, and it's the same way you change science. Science takes less evidence to keep doing what you're doing. A whole lot more to change. Yeah. Which is good in a lot of ways because you don't want to be zigzagging all over the place, you know. <laughs> but it, it puts more work on our end. Yeah, well, if you think about just like, okay, you're eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans. I mean, any most of the core foods of a, of a healthy vegan diet Nobody's gonna have issues with right, right, and and that's really where the I mean, fu- the future yeah. common sense yeah, and and the future of research in nutrition is really that you know we've like cured scurvy like we figured that out you know <laughs> and um, a lot of it is how do we prevent disease and it's looking at phytochemicals. And where are they found? In fruits and vegetables. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be cacao, right? It doesn't have to be superfoods. <laughs> it doesn't have to be some obscure mushroom from South America. Like, it can be apples, you know? Yeah. Things that are available in, like, grocery stores and 7-Elevens now, you know? Nutrient-dense food. Exactly. I mean, that's... Wow. And I think one thing, going back to what you said about vegans get cancer, is the fact that what we're not talking about and what a lot of people aren't talking about is the fact that it's a mind body spirit approach so if you are sitting on the top of a mountain doing yoga eating your vegan diet but you have toxic emotions or you're in a toxic relationship or you are beating yourself up every day with the thoughts that you think that can also lead to you know inflammation in the body and things in the body because it's all connected and that's such an important distinction is like okay go vegan good for you and then you're like hey this isn't working for me well what's not working for you you don't know what that is it might be what you're telling yourself every day it might be your emotions it might be Mm -hmm. unsolved unresolved issues from childhood like your mother or father or your sister or brother or a kid you grew up with made fun of you you were bullied i don't know what it is but you it's you have to go back and figure out what that is and heal that toxic emotion as well as change your diet and i know it's a lot it's it's hard to think about doing everything but just take those baby steps and go all right Today, I'm going to work on this, you know, tomorrow, I'm going to work on this and just Mm -hmm. keep going because it's, it's life's a journey, not a destination, (laughs) right? Right. And these are, we aren't taught these skills. You know, I taught community college here in Los Angeles for five years Mm -hmm. and I taught a basic health class. And part of that was mental health. Yeah. We are not taught the skills of like dealing with emotions and other people's emotions and, and helping folks with mental illnesses and recognizing them. It's still stigma. It's still stigma attached to them. Yeah. You know, we, we're not taught this, you know. Well, I remember graduating college and being like, I'm so smart. I have this degree. I know all these things. And the truth <laughs> is, I didn't know anything. I remember thinking like when I started um, being a freelance entrepreneur and I had to do my taxes, I was like, 
no one taught me in college how to do taxes, right? And then when I was dealing with um, grief and losing my parents and going, no one taught me there are seven stages of grief. There are all these things mm-hmm. in the world that typical schooling doesn't teach you. And so you have to seek out answers for yourself and you have to find that knowledge, read those books, listen to those podcasts, watch those documentaries, talk to people who have had those experiences in order to really educate yourself on the ways of the world because it's not going to be taught in school in most cases, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. I, le- I learned the seven steps of grief from The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Now I have to watch this episode. <laughs> you know, it's, it was uh, this week was the 20-year anniversary of the Lisa the Vegetarian episode. Oh, really? I saw yeah. posts cool. about that on, yeah. on uh, some yeah. of the social media this week. Incredible. I mean, I went vegetarian the next month. Really? Yeah. Wow. You and Lisa no, Simpson November have uh, something yeah. in common, ladies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, I've got to check this out. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, Matt and Vince, please tell us both. Vince, we'll start with you, where everyone can find you online and learn more about what you're doing. Well, I have my website, healthyveganguy.com. You could also find me on Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, Snapchat. What am I missing? There's, there's too many nowadays. Periscope. Periscope. <laughs> Um, but basically just, I am there to educate and inspire others just to live a healthy vegan lifestyle. Uh, I found that, you know, when I started just becoming vegan, you definitely want to try and make that extra step and, and try to be healthy with, with your decisions. And like what we discussed today, not only just food, but just overall lifestyle. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I love what you're doing. And I really appreciate you being here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here anytime you need me. I know. Well, we're going to have <laughs> you back lots. And Matt, we hope that you come back lots as well. Yeah. Where can everyone find you online? So most of my social media is just my name, um, Matt Resigno. It's R-U-S-C-I-G-N-O. All the usual ones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, I have a website, it's truelovehealth.com, but my name.com will also get there as well. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I love writing about this and sharing uh, the science, you know, so that I want folks to be well-educated on this. And what about your web series website? Uh, thank you. Um, strongesthearts.org. Uh, we're on Vimeo. We Our YouTube channel will be up shortly. Um, and then I think on Twitter, we're Veg Hearts. On Instagram, it's Strongest Hearts. And um, yeah, please check it out and share it with your friends who might doubt, you know, that you can be vegan and run 100 miles or be a bodybuilder because we're just showing all these examples of athletes doing it. Yeah, I love the show. I love everything that both of you guys are doing. And I would love to have you back anytime. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Food Heals podcast. All the show notes from today's episode can be found at foodhealsnation.com slash 29. Today's tweetable comes from Matt's website, Demand the Impossible of Yourself and the World. If you like that, tweet it to Matt at Matt Rusigno, R-U-S-C-I-G-N-O. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. And make sure to use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast in your post so that we can see your tweets. We've got some amazing interviews coming up, Food Heals Nation. We're reviewing Leonardo DiCaprio's cut of Cowspiracy. We're also having Garth Davis, author of the best-selling book, Proteinaholic. And we have so many more incredible guests coming up. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you get all the episodes they'll download right to your phone. They'll download right to your computer, however you choose to listen. And cheers to your good health. See you next time, Food Heals Nation.
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat in this dress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately.